As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Unspoiled, covering His Dark Materials, Book 2, The Subtle Knife, Chapters 1 through 3. In this episode, we meet a new character, go into a new world, and see Lyra from a new perspective. Welcome to Unspoiled. I believe you mean AMC's His Dark Materials. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually, actually you're wrong. we should mention here up top that there is going to be a series of this. Right. BBC has is purchased BBC? the rights. Yes. Okay, good. Like, I could see them doing a good job. Definitely. With uh, they probably won't quite have the budget, but, like, they've been able to impress me with what they can do with a modest budget. And they have, um, I mean, I think a series is the best way to handle material like this because it is so uh, background heavy. Yeah. Like, that. It just doesn't, I don't feel like you can squeeze all of this in and have it feel like the audience is really going to get it. Um, I feel like TV is almost always the best way to adapt something. Yeah. Like, there are very few, like, books or comics or whatever that I'm like, no, it has to be a movie. Like, no, it should be a TV series with an unlimited budget in an <laughs> ideal world, you know? Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think now. Mockingjay and, like, the whole... Uh, Hunger Games, I wouldn't mind. I don't mind as a movie. I think they're fine. Yeah. But I I'd... feel like the woman who wrote them wrote screenplays or something before she wrote this yeah, book. Yeah, she had a background in television. So it kind of makes sense that it would be written to feel like a movie because of her background. So I think hmm. it just happened to translate really well to movies. No, because she said that her inspiration was actually reality TV. Well, I mean, your inspiration for what the story comes from and the style in which you should, like, wind up writing something aren't the same, necessarily. Mm. You know what I mean? I guess. Um, no, I do think that story would work better as a movie, but uh, splitting the last one into two movies was a mistake. Terrible idea. Uh, I saw Mockingjay Part 1, and it was horseshit. 
Yeah, I've heard that. I didn't bother seeing it. it. So, like, really? And it's a shame because I really did like the books. But uh, I like the third one the least, though. I like the third one. So if they were going to screw one up, I'm, I'm kind of glad it was that one. <laughs> anyway, this is not a Hunger Games. No, this it's, is it's Dark not. It's really not. <laughs> um, uh, what did you think of this? Because you asked me when we were done. We listened to it together on audiobook yesterday. Right. And you were like, what did you think? And I was like, why are you asking me when you know, know I've listened to this before or read know. it at least? Well, what did you think of the audiobook version? I thought it was cool. I never listened to an audiobook that had a full cast, so that was yeah. cool. This one's pretty good. It's not on the level. Like, I have listened to some full cast audiobooks, like the one for World War Z mm-hmm. or for uh, American Gods which would be a, a good one for you to cover, I think, that are done by a full cast that are amazing. This is pretty good. Like, it's solid, mm-hmm. but it's not quite on that level. Uh, part of it is just, you know, it's kids. Yeah, and that's going to be tough. L- listening to kids is only so compelling. The woman who plays Mrs. Coulter, I think, has, like, the perfect voice yeah. for a character yeah, like does. that. Um, no, I like this. Uh, I like doing it in three-chapter Better than sections five. than five. Yeah, I thought so. By the end of a five section thing, I'm just like, oh, come on. Yeah. Because you know, I like this series, but I don't think I quite love it as much as as a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this was a good, this was a good start. Uh, in some ways, it's better. It's better like throughout than the first three chapters of the first one. But actually, I don't even know if that's true because like you've got the thing where they're going to assassinate Azriel, and then you get the thing where the kid with his rat gets kidnapped. Like all that mm-hmm. was actually really solid. So I don't know if it was quite as good as that, but it was pretty good. Like okay. I was interested throughout. I'm glad that there is a secondary main character now because as much as I thought Lyra, Lyra, Jesus, <laughs> Lyra was pretty good. I feel like she works better with a you know, like a cohort of sorts. Yeah. And she kind of had those sometimes in the last book, but the, you know, when they were kids, they were all like kind of one dimensional, annoying kids, which is fine. Cause that's just what kids are most <laughs> of the time. But, um, you heard it here first folks, one dimensional and annoying. Get one today. Um, but what's his name? What's the new kid's name? Will. Will. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. Um, this is actually something because now I like, I agree with you that, her having somebody to play off of as opposed to being all alone is much more interesting, especially because the world resembles Will so much more than hers that if she were there by herself, she'd have no idea how to do anything. Right. So having him there, you know, gives her a little bit of a learning experience and whatnot. And that's interesting to see. But at the time when I first read this, I was straight up, who the fuck is this kid? Why do I get what? Where's Lyra? Is this the world that she's in or not? Where the fuck is she? I was getting so annoyed. You're very impatient. I am. She shows up at the end of the first chapter. Yeah, but it's like you have no frame of reference for when she's going to show up when you start. So I started to be like, is this book even about her at all? Are, uh, are, you know, like I started to think maybe they're going to have her meet up with him at the end of the book. And then the third book is going to be the two of them together. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I had semi-similar problems with the Dark Tower series, which I did not finish. Because, mm. like, you know, the parts of that series that are good are great. But there are just some just lagging parts. Okay. It was lagging because they were different characters than what you had gotten used to already? Yeah. The thing is, like, all throughout the first book, uh, it's the mysterious gunman guy who's very much like this kind of Clint Eastwood sort of guy, but like, with this, like, weird Bushido code, which is pretty interesting. But a character like that needs a good foil. 
and sometimes they gave him good foils, and sometimes they didn't. Uh, throughout all of the first book, he's with this annoying little kid. Okay, so kids are just not your thing, and, we know. Well, and, like, this kid had l- less than most. Like, this kid was just, you know, that was his whole deal, is that he's some boring little kid. Um, in the second book, they team him up with this coke dealer, or, no, heroin, heroin dealer. Okay. And he's all, like, strung up. He was very much like uh, Chris, Christopher from The Sopranos. Just kind of oh, okay. like this really kind of scummy kid, but who's kind of got a heart, but who's also kind of just like a spoiled not brat. The, yeah, <laughs> and uh, there's also like this woman who is like, I don't know, she's got like split personality. Okay, and um, she's like black from like the civil rights era, and like she's got her her one half is like super proper and rich and stuck up, and the other part is like this raging lunatic. And the raging lunatic stuff got kind of iffy. Okay. Uh, but then book three comes around, and the fucking kid came back. And I was pissed. But I shouldn't talk too much more, because you were actually planning on doing the Dark Tower. Yeah. So th- that's not really spoilery, I don't think. But... I was going to stop you. I was like, all right. Yeah, let's sorry about that. But that's like, okay. Uh, you know, when an annoying character just comes back like that, and you're just like, nope, nope, sorry. Well, and I feel like it's probably partially like the Song of Ice and Fire when you're like super into a really great Tyrion or Ned chapter and then all of a sudden you're with Bran again. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my God. Not a Bran fan. I think Bran is the only POV that I just can't stand, except for Danny in book four or book five. Bran's POV doesn't bother me when he's dreaming and you get some of that crazy stuff happening. But when he's like just, you know. It's fucking Jojen. The traveling thing is the part that I don't care about. Like, I know that the... Some of it's interesting, but it's just too long. The only interesting one for me, I have to agree with Brendan on this, is the Night Fort chapter. Where you get all of the the crazy stories. stories. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, for me, I mean, it's such a... It's such a... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Trope to have like a a road trip story. Mm. And I just never really have liked those very much. Yeah. Um, and he's just so mopey. Yeah. And you it's know. perfectly understandable. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's not fun to read. Yeah. You know, because it's always the same, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back to this. Back to the actual thing we're Will, talking about. Will's character starts off. It's very sudden he just shows up at his old piano teacher's house that he hasn't seen in a year right and is like take care of my mom gotta go bye it's really weird really weird i still don't really know what his deal is it's super like it's like nothing we've seen before in this book yeah um what do you mean by you don't know what his deal is like what's the deal like why is his mom this way um she's schizophrenic right but i don't know she's a mental illness right you mean why is she that way I mean, I guess, like, why is he... I, he's afraid to lose his mom, I guess. But, uh, like, what's the deal with his father? And, like, is what she's saying just, you know, because she's crazy? Or is it because he really is, like, a, a important figure that's going to show up later? Well, what's I'm, the deal with these guys who are, like, sketching out the place and trying to... Like, there's something to it because mm-hmm. they're trying to take something. They're not just cat burglars. And they're coming in asking her about her husband. Right. Like, so it feels like, you know... Yeah. Either she's been walking around saying this for so long that other people have started to believe it, or there's something actually real to it. Right. Um, and, like, why did he have to drop her off there? Like, what is he trying to do 
Like he kills those guys by accident. But, One of them. Yeah, but I don't get why he had to stash his mom there. He I, because he didn't want them to harass his mother. I guess. I mean, I just I don't get what his end game was here. Well, his end game was to go back and get his mom after he found the writing case that had all the stuff in it that these guys were looking for, because. He didn't trust the dudes. He felt like they were harassing his mom and that whatever they were after, they weren't going to be doing anything good with it. Why, so did, why was, didn't he know where it was? Because she... She had hidden it? Yeah. His mom had? Yeah. Okay. So he goes back to get it and he intended to go pick his mother back up after he had found it and find another place for them to go. But after he kills the guy, he's afraid to go back to his mom because then the cops are going to find... If they find him, they'll find his mother and take his mother away and then it'll be a whole big explosion of his world basically right well he did kill a man right which i mean it was not intentional but nevertheless but he adjusts to it pretty quickly yeah like this kid has obviously had a very rough and weird upbringing mm-hmm. and so he's very savvy in a way that lyra is not mm-hmm. he's much more cold and much more practical i feel like um, practical is a good word because she's got um, an imagination mm-hmm. but she's not um she's still very experienced mu- with actual desolation yeah she's still very much book one aria mm-hmm. um so i i um i look forward to seeing the two of them interact because that's kind of the problem i had in the last one was you know there were some interesting characters she would interact with but not on a personal level yeah like she would you know interact with them very much in the way that a child interacts with a Mm grown-up uh even a kid who's smart for their age you know it's it's a different dynamic like he would talk to lee scoresby but you know lee scoresby would just kind of pat her on the head and call her little lady right whereas these two can kind of have more adventures together adventures um so yeah he is uh bailing trying to like blend in and not attract much attention um and it's at this point that you really figure out that he's in our world because he talks about going to Burger King, hiding right. out at the movies, people's cell phones, stuff like that. Um, in, in a way that it seems a little shoveled in. I guess. I don't he's, feel that way. There's a line where he's like, soon the men would be after him with their automobiles and their cell phones. <laughs> All right. So I mean, that effect, I was just like, okay, I, like I, I'm glad that you told me that it's basically our world, but you could have done it in a little more economical way yeah. than saying that. It just made me think of um, when Steven Spielberg edited E.T. and he CGI'd all of the shotguns in the cops' hands into uh, walkie-talkies. Oh, I've heard about that. I never actually like looked at it. It just ima- I just pictured these guys like running after him, like menacingly. Uh, you know, brandishing their cell phones. <laughs> um, so he is walking down this street in at night and there's this cat that comes up to him and is purring and whatever and then trots away and he sees the cat stop and have this really weird reaction to something in the air. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of a sudden the cat jumps through and disappears. And he's like, the fuck? And he walks up to it and it's this cut like it looks like a hole cut in the air that is apparently looking at almost an identical scene as the one that he's in where it's a patch of street and grass and a street light um but when he steps through it's clearly totally somewhere else right um and it sounds delightful 
may I add. Yeah, it's like all tropical. Tropical, flowers blooming everywhere, cafes with espresso machines and risotto. I'm like, this sounds fantastic. And there's a beach, and he can hear, like, the waves crashing. Um, And the palm trees and everything, like... That was the first clue that I had when first reading this, that this was where Lyra was. Did you put that together? Um, yeah, yeah, because I remembered her saying that there was, like, it was, like, sunny out there and stuff. Okay. And then it was, it, I, I got, like, a tropical vibe off of what she said. I can't remember specifically Okay. what it was like. But, yeah, I figured it was probably the same world. Um, And the weird thing is, is that there's nobody there, but... Everything is like very recently been put down and left. Right. The risotto's still warm. The food in the fridge is still good to eat. There's stuff that's been like left out in the heat that's no good anymore. Right. But it's all very, very recently been handled by people. And uh that was the part when I first read it that I was like, How is this possible? Like I wondered if maybe the break in the worlds that lord asriel had done had somehow killed everybody oh okay um but yeah there was like it was just really puzzling to me did you have any theories on this before we actually yeah find it out actually it reminded me of a scene in the silent hill movie which we need to watch because it's got it's not like great but the things that are good in it just like elevate it like okay. it's it's so atmospheric that it's kind of worth it being like a very kind of B list plot and not great acting all the time. But is that the one Jon Snow is in? No, Sean Bean's in it. Sean Bean, okay. Um, actually, maybe Jon Snow was in the sequel. I think he might have been. Okay. But the sequel's no good. But in the first one, like basically, the wife goes to Silent Hill and she's lost her daughter. And you know, in the scenes where she's in Silent Hill, everything is foggy. And, like, there's ash raining mm-hmm. down, like snow. Okay. And it's all super spooky. And this is sometimes intercut with her husband, played by Sean Bean, going to the sit- town also and looking for her. And when he goes there, you know, it's got a very orangish cast to it. Like, it's at sunset or sunrise. Okay. And everything looks like it's abandoned for years. And he's, like, finding everything. It's all dusty and abandoned and everything. It just kind of reminded me of that. Like, this was somehow tied in with a normal world. But it was, like shifted into like a weird like limbo type of thing hmm, okay that turns out to not be the case at all uh, and i kind of would have preferred that because it just turns out that the kids that the adults ran away because they were scared of something specters specters um the organism the uh special executive <laughs> of counter uh counterintelligence terrorism extortion and revenge um so yeah he turns up here and has some food and is feeling very relaxed because there's literally like a 0.1% chance that the cops will ever find this place. Right. And, um, cops can't find you when you're in another dimension. Right. And, uh, he goes for a swim and has some food and then he's exploring this place and he runs into Lyra. And she ruins everything. <laughs> she ruins everything. Why? I mean, she's a great character, but like, uh, you know, Lyra's got her own shit going on and things that she needs to get done. Man, I would just like to spend like a week there in this weird abandoned like paradise. Um, yeah, she uh, first is really like freaked out because he doesn't appear to have a demon. 
But then she sort of figures out that, like, no, you're not acting like the kids that had no demons. You have one. It's just inside, which is weird. And I wonder what it would look like. Yeah, and he's just like, what the fuck is she talking <laughs> Which is refreshing for me because sometimes the, like, matter-of-fact way that they talk about the world when it's so alien is it's just kind of nice to have someone like that who's just like, you're fucking weird. Stop it. I love, too, when the when Pantaliamon starts talking and he's like, wait, what? It talks? And she's like, uh, Duh. I just really enjoyed it. What did you think too. it was a pet? Yeah, I thought it was a pet. <laughs> um and I also like the fact that he says he suddenly felt very alone. Because that is something I'm super jealous of with Lyra as the whole universe. Always having somebody with you that's like company. Yeah. And you never feel like that as a regular person. Like I am totally fine being by myself for good good long periods of time as compared to a lot of people because of what I do. But it's still, sometimes you just want to feel like there's somebody else in the room with you. Like, I like when you sit and just read yeah. or listen to your podcast in the background and I'm editing and we're not necessarily talking, but having you there mm-hmm. feels like reassuring, you know? Yeah. And, um... The fact that she always has that and and it's something that is so like connected to her is just really like I'm super jealous of it. So I kind of liked that that Philip Pullman like addresses that feeling because I would definitely feel that way if I were him and meeting somebody like her that had that. And, you know, just the the extra defensiveness of it, too. Um, But anyway, so. They go and have some food. He makes omelets and a can of beans. And um, the next day when she tries to cook, she tries to make an omelet and it's terrible. And he's like, yeah, I'll have cereal, but thanks. (laughs) And uh, Lyra uses her alethiometer to find out whether he's a friend or an enemy. Oh, that was was cool. And it's just like, he's a murderer. He is a murderer. You liked that? Yeah, I did. Why is that? Because she's just like, huh. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Because, like, she's had friends who were murderers. Yep. She had the bear. She's like, oh, okay. Well, that's useful. A murderer is a worthy companion. I've, uh, that's what, that was a great line. <laughs> um, I've been playing a lot of Fallout lately. And, uh, you know, sometimes, yeah, murder, you want a murderer by your right. side. So I, I just kind of like that. And, uh, I also like when he makes her do the dishes and she's just not all, not about it. Yeah. She's like, we have a million clean dishes. Why would I do this? And I'm like, fuck yeah, Lyra. Why would you? And he's like, because we are going to take care of this place and keep it good because we don't know how long we're going to be here. And I was like, oh, God, fine. And he like, not only does he do the dishes, but later on, he like winds up like cleaning the kitchen and like sweeping up and stuff and just doing a lot of uh general housekeeping for this place that he's never been before and i was just kind of like man you are such a better person than i am um because yeah i'd just be like yeah i'll eat your food i don't know where you are you might be gone forever i don't care but he's just sort of behaving as if these people are going to come back which it turns out they will so he's smarter than me for acting like that right but to me everything is going to have a supernatural reason you know that's what i assumed on this was that everybody's gone because of magic and it turns out like Kind of. Like, they got driven out by something that seems like it's magic, but that's not really the same thing as what I thought. Yeah. He's just a very... He's a much more cautious person. Yeah. Which I appreciate, because Lyra is not cautious. No. Yeah. She says that if she were to imagine what his demon would be, it would be something that was uh, ferocious and courteous and sad, 
or unhappy. Yeah. Um, which I was like, that's interesting. Um, but they're out sitting and having breakfast when these kids come running up and it turns out what? And these kids are annoying. I cannot deal with how often you can't stand characters simply because they're children. It's starting to get really old. It's not because they're children. Yes, it is. You literally never, if these people were not children, you would not have this issue. Oh yeah. I will. If they were like, Oh, the specters, we're going to kill the specters. Yay. Really? Yeah. Why? They're just, I don't know. They're just like so snotty. They're not snotty. They're dealing with something that they see happen all the time. And the little kid who is like, what? He's supposed to be like seven years old. Yeah. Doesn't really get the gravity of what's happening. And is like, yeah, let's go kill some specters. Like, cause he's a little kid who doesn't get it. Big mistake, kid. That's like little kids who act like they want to be a soldier because they have no fucking idea what they're talking about. I don't get why that's a problem. I don't like it. Oh, my God. So, anyways, these kids show up and they explain why the adults aren't there. They've been driven off by the specters. Mm -hmm. Which the little kids can't see. Oh, they can't see them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So, did they say where the adults went? They went into the hills, they said. Into the hills, okay. Yeah. Um, And And apparently this happens all the time. The specters come for the cities, they said. So, but yeah, little kids can't see them. Inspectors don't go after little kids. Hmm. And she says that when she's seen adults get captured by one, it's like they eat them, basically. Mm. Um, hold them down and the, the like adult is screaming, but not really like making noise and slowly starts to almost disappear. Um, That's super creepy. But they don't die. They're still there. They're just kind of fucked up. So it reminds me of like a Dementor, Mm. you know? Um, They're still there, but they're not there physically if they disappear. Well, you can see something like in them kind of disappearing. Like I I can't remember the way that it's described. I think it's like um, draining them or something. Mm -hmm. But that's what it made me think of was like a Dementor. But yeah, that's a... a real spooky thing to know that those are like probably hanging around in that town right there while they're there, but they just can't see them and they don't get affected by them, but they're still there. Right. And how long does it take for them to go? And you know, the whole thing is really creepy, Yeah, which I like. Um, I just picture them getting like sucked out like a, like a high C or like a Capri sun. Oh, I thought you meant high C cause they're on the beach. Like a high uh. C, and I was like, "Why? What?" Um. So Will finally is like, "All right, the adults are going to come back. This isn't actually going to be that great a place for us to like hang out. I guess we should go back to my world because Lyra keeps talking about dust, and it's like I need to speak to somebody. At uh, she says he says that he lives at Oxford and she's like, what me too, but mentions Jordan college. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what that is. And she's like, whatever. Um, she uses the word, uh, theoretical theology yeah. or something. Yeah. Experimental theology. Right. Um, which he figures out is like physics in our world. Right. And they decide that they'll go back and try and speak to somebody at the college that, he knows of um and they go back through the opening 
but she and Lyra immediately gets hit by a get car. Get hit by a car. She's just unprepared, and she says that like she's like everything was going so fast. I just wasn't used to it. Um. So yeah, he had wanted her to like crawl cr- cross through. They have her take a shower and change and stuff to keep a low profile. But this is basically as high profile as it gets. It's getting hit by a car in the middle of a busy street. So they're trying to get the like them to let me give you a ride home. You should go to the hospital. And he's like, no, 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 she's fine. She's fine. But obviously, like, she's hurt and she's going to be okay. But it's just kind of like. He he says something like she's gonna look like she's been abused walking down oh, the street right. with me because he punched her in the face the other day when yeah. they first met up because she kind of attacked him. Yep. So I kind of like that too. Yeah. Somebody stopping them. There's this. Uh, when I worked at Whole Foods, there was a woman who was going to school for some. I don't remember exactly what it was in medicine, but she was an incredibly intelligent person, and. She volunteered with autistic children and very dramatically autistic, like had trouble functioning in everyday kind of situations. And they frequently would like grab her and bite her or pinch her or things like that. So her arms were like covered in bruises and stuff. And she went to grocery shopping and somebody came up to her and stopped her and said, there's help. Because they thought that it was just like an abusive relationship. And she just said that she said, thank you. Because she just didn't know. And she's like, I'm not going to explain to everybody. Right. But yeah. Oh, so people will stop and say something so is awkward. the lesson I learned. Like that's a good thing to do to like try and reach out and stuff. But mm-hmm. like people get so mad about people not wanting to reach out. And I feel like stuff like that is what stops people a lot of the time just because you don't you know. Don't know. For sure. You don't want to make a complete fool of yourself. Yeah. And I mean, something can look very cut and dried and then it turns out to be not at all. Like right. I had a friend who had a black eye and a lot of people thought because she and her boyfriend had been fighting a lot. Yeah. And a lot of people were kind of theorizing, like, maybe he just lost it one day because he was a very mild-mannered person. But sometimes that's what happens. Is somebody mild-mannered who keeps it in forever just pops. Well, turns out she had been high as hell and fell and hit her face on the doorknob. Oh. Yeah. And she just, like, was wearing socks and she had a, a wood floor. She was Ugh. high. She was drunk. And she just slipped and, like, smashed her oh. face. And she wouldn't give anybody a straight answer about what happened because she didn't want to admit to people that she had been doing drugs. So... When she kept deflecting, when people asked her what happened, that's why everybody right. thought she was deflecting. And then she like kind of confided to me one day and was like, listen, this is what actually happened, but please don't say anything. And I was like, oh, my God, really? Um, so, yeah. And now you just broke that promise. Well, she doesn't care anymore. It's been quite a long time since that happened. Um, but, yeah, so... Things are not what they seem to be a lot of the time, but he is very worried about how she looks now and right. being recognized. Well, and he's just a very cautious person, and mm-hmm. someone being that conspicuous would bug the crap out of him. In right. Sense. Um, so they wind up. Uh, I think that's like he decides that they're going to have to go into the college, <clears throat> and that's the last we see of them. And then we go yeah, to Serafina Pacala. Pacala. Pecola. Sorry. Pecola. I always think of her as Pecola in my head, and they say Pecola in the audiobook, but I'm not uh-huh. used to it still. I think about her as Pecola. Pecola, uh, to me, sounds like some kind of Italian dish. Yeah, it sounds like a pickle to me. Oh, okay, yeah. uh, But, coincidentally enough, she's in a real pickle. 
<laughs> right now. You're fired. No. <laughs> um. Um. I'm not a fan of this character, but I did like her like snooping around and using that weird spell. Yeah. It reminded me of in the Dresden Files when Harry takes that boring potion. Yes. That makes him like super bland to the point where at one point he's like desperately trying to warn someone of something and he's too boring and they can't even pay attention to him. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, I know, right? Pfft, that is that is one of the coolest scenes in that series. I always think about it. He like just walks into the police station as a wanted man and just like grabs a mop bucket and puts his staff in it as if it's a mop <laughs> and no one notices. <laughs> I forgot about the staff thing. That was really cool. But yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation that he has with the security guard and the security guard is responding to him as if he's saying completely different things than what he's actually saying. Yeah. He's like, look on the same. monitor. There's a werewolf in the jail. And he's like, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, she, so the whole thing with this is not that they don't see her, right? but that they don't notice her. Right. So she's like right in somebody's way at first and they just like step around her, but they never mm-hmm. look at her. So yeah. it's interesting to me because the whole physical aspect of, She's still there, and they acknowledge that she's there enough to step around her, but mm. it never occurs to them to worry about why they just made that movement. Right. Um, which I just find really interesting. Yeah. Um, and what it turns out is going on here is that there, the uh, Mrs. Coulter and her people have a witch that they're torturing inside the yeah, ship. Yeah, and that's pretty brutal. It really is brutal. The voice Mrs. acting Coulter the, goes up to her and snaps her fingers, like yeah. a couple of them. The voice, whoever does the voice acting of that random witch, I can't remember her name, is really good. Yeah, <laughs> it's sounding terrifying. And it, it was rough. Mrs. Coulter, though, is my favorite so far of the voice acting. I'm hers, really hers like, is pretty I love good. Her. Um, but what they're trying to get out of her is information about Lyra. Right. Um, there's some kind of prophecy, and so my mind completely turned off. Well, and Mrs. Coulter's pissed because apparently everybody knew about this prophecy and nobody said shit to her about it. Yeah. And she's just like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, basically, she let this girl get away feeling like she's important to me because she's my daughter, but not that she's important in the grand scheme of things necessarily. And now she finds out that not only is she my daughter, but that she's like probably going to play a crucial role in whatever's happening. And you guys fucking never said anything to me. She's so mad. Right. Um, well, which she, I totally she completely let her get away. Yeah. So. Um, and while I really love Serafina's watching this woman get tortured and she, the woman who's being tortured says something like, um, yeah, Yagere or something come to, come for me, which yeah. is the uh, goddess of death. Oh, okay. And she comes forward and like lets herself be seen and makes sure that she's smiling because the goddess is merry and loving and then kills her to put her out of her misery. But I just really like that this goddess of death is not supposed to be like dark and mysterious, is that she's like exciting and that you're happy to see her when she shows up. Like you know? death and Sandman. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Who, who you hated, even though I don't she hate was her. Basically... I didn't hate her after that first. You, yeah, you just like didn't like her first. I, mm-hmm. I get it. Um, yeah, I like it when they do something different with death. Yeah, I, I really like that whole idea of it being something that you kind of welcome. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I also like like classical, like super doomy versions when they're done well. Like, uh, but yeah, that was kind of interesting to learn a little bit more about witch culture. Um, yeah, she's apparently which, which the, culture. 
<laughs> she's apparently the chosen one because of way back in the previous book when she figured out which branch was which. Yeah. Which is whatever. Yeah, that I'm not impressed by. I thought that there would be something more I'm, about that. I'm never impressed by prophecies. Uh, not, I won't say never. Like, there's a very select handful of things that I thought it was done well in. But uh, I'm usually not a fan, so I tend to kind of tune it out when they start talking about it. Um, so I guess Lyra's like the chosen one now. Um, something like that. The child that they knew would come is what they kind of keep calling her. Mm. Um, not even the child we were waiting for, but the child we knew would come. Right. And that's how they say it more than once. So I right. feel confident that that's more how they see it, which I find interesting. Where is this taking place? This interrogation? It's on a boat. It's on a boat. For some reason, yeah. I was thinking it was on an airship. Mm-mm. Okay. So it's on a boat. Um, and then Serafina goes and finds the witch council yeah guy? They, they do a rivendell council of the wise sort of thing well first she, but the, the counselor the guy who has the the snake demon oh yeah from the last one, book i like yeah. that dude i like him too and the guy who's uh plays him the voice is really great yeah. he has a really He's rich good. like unctuous sort of voice which mm-hmm. i like um but yeah he basically tells her like shit's really getting bad and there's a ton of shit happening right in town and you have to be super fucking careful. And I would really recommend that you not stick around here for very long because it's okay. about to go down. Okay. So do they have the meeting somewhere else? Yeah. They go out the... like into a countryside basically okay. where the witches are. Yeah. Um, and... and there's a lot of witches who used to be like on Mrs. Coulter's side because they didn't realize what they were doing. Yeah. And now they all know and they're like, oh my fucking God. Yeah. And also, there's a queen of a different witch tribe, mm-hmm. and she is sketchy. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's all about Lord Asriel. She's like, and the actress who's doing her is like all breathy when she's talking about Lord Asriel. He was my lover. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. It reminds me of the, uh, for some reason I was thinking of the lion, the witch from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Hmm. But not the actress from the recent movie, the one from the old BBC movies. I don't think I ever saw the old BBC movies. Oh, they're insane. <laughs> I mean, picture BBC budgets, how they are now, but in the 70s. Um, it's, uh, it's crazy. But the woman who played the witch in that was pretty good. Um, so, yeah, they have this council, and they decide they're going to go to the alternate dimension. They're going to go through the doorway. Because yeah. I guess the doorway is just still open. But there's also, there's like two, um, there's yeah, they two split things up, going they? on. Because then there's Lee Scoresby. Who's like, so I'm going to go find Stanislaw Grumman, I think is the guy's oh, name. I didn't like this stuff. Why? Because they brought it back like it was a thing. Like he's just like, oh, I just remembered about this thing that was offhandedly mentioned like forever ago. That's actually a really important thing now that is like that I just remembered. Like it was it was done badly. Like I'm going to chalk okay. that up to bad writing. Um, um, that's, yeah, that didn't bother me that much. It okay. Did, Cause like it was in the first chapter of the first book, right? Mm-hmm. Like an offhanded thing that was mentioned, you know, it was a, it was a flavorful thing and memorable, but it was very offhand. Like not did you say flavorful. Yeah. Okay. Just like something to kind of give you an idea of what this world is like, you know, like it's okay. a memorable thing, but it's not something that really tied in too much to the story. And then they say that Lyra told Lee, which I don't remember her doing and I don't know she why does. she would do that. 
Um, but I mean, I guess it's just something that she mentioned. And then none of this stuff occurs to Lee until the beginning of this book when the plot needs to go that direction. I mean, you're acting though like this, like we saw Lee after Lyra has her conversation with him and she doesn't, she like has this conversation, falls asleep. The thing crashes. She winds up with the bears and goes straight from the bears oh, to her that father. Okay. Yeah. So there's no opportunity for him, for us to even see Lee and find out if he knows this stuff. He could have remembered five minutes after she said, and okay. we would never know. Well, that, that does make sense. But also like, I don't, Maybe I need to reread the scene, but just that he's able to immediately go from, uh, you know, I saw the severed head to him being like, no, I don't think that was, I don't think he's really dead. I just, that wasn't very clear. I didn't okay. feel like, um, but I mean, it'll probably turn out cool because Lee Scoresby is awesome. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and look, but I feel like too, you're, you're saying that they didn't really mention this again, but I feel like they have a conversation about like. You never, you, that guy, that could have just not been his head. You, she never really got a close look at it. Like, I feel like mm. Arya even thinks about that herself. Lyra. Uh, yes. See, I'm going to do that. Okay. Um, but. Uh, you, you remember. Yeah. I think she does say that like one, one shrunk, cause it's a shrunken head. Yeah. And one shrunken head kind of looks like another shrunken head. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, maybe I'm being a jerk. <laughs> But um, I was just kind of like this, like, why is this, like, suddenly the big hinge on which the Lee Scoresby uh, portion of the story now turns? Um, but I'm, I'm looking just for... happy Lee Scoresby's back, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, if the BBC brings one thing back from the previous movie, it should be uh, him being played by... Uh, I can never remember. Mustache McGee. Yeah, Mustache McGee. <laughs> Damn it, that's going to drive me crazy because I love that actor. Um. Yeah. So okay. Sam Elliott. Sorry. Sam Elliott. Okay. Yeah. Um. That is the one thing that I hope they bring back. And there is a woman, a witch, who was his lover, apparently. Um. Stanislav. Grumman oh right, because every witch has fucked someone important in this story. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're a, a witch, you're going to go after the creme de la creme, aren't you? You've lived a long time, have magical powers, and are eternally sexy. So, fair enough. Go after the power players, man. Yep. I know I would. Yeah, but she is. Re she didn't want to say anything. Her sister made her, and she hates the motherfucker. Yeah, she's now. like, I love that guy, but fuck that guy. Yep. She's like, I would kill him the second I saw him if I got the chance. And Serafina is like, all right, well, I guess you're going to come with us so that you don't fuck it up and fucking kill him. And she's like, Aah! so, yeah. And she's that. like glaring at her sister, sister who made her say something. Um, oh, and I forgot to mention, too, that there's all this fucked upness happening from that cut in the universe that the ice is melting, that the birds that are migrating according to like the... Um, the magnetic fields and stuff are getting like fucked up and turned around. Just everything natural in this area is being really thrown off by yeah. this unexpected addition to the equation. I, I like that. Yeah. I like that too. Um, that reminds me of, uh, in the infinity gauntlet comic, uh, Thanos gets ultimate, ultimate power. And at one point he's just playing around with his gauntlet halfway across the universe. And he's just like, sending pulses out and shit mm -hmm. and you cut to the avengers like desperately trying to save california from going into the ocean and they fail oh my god 
tiny little details here and there. Yeah, I, I like it when when they kind of go into stuff like that on how I would mess it up, or even like in the Simpsons movie when the birds are migrating to Springfield for the summer or whatever. I remember. And uh, they crash into the dome and just slide down the <laughs> yeah, dome, yeah, and there's yeah. just an army of cats just like yowling in anticipation <laughs> of the birds sliding down. Just little things like that. I like. I didn't. I didn't catch that, but I like that all the ice and snow around it is melting um yeah i forgot about that too the uh the cats being up against the thing (laughs) um but yeah so this like you know this tear in the reality of things isn't just an implication for whoever can find it it's not a secret like it is where will is coming from right like that cut in in the layer it is so small and so unnoticeable that he seems to be the only person from his world that's even found it. Right. And this is so enormously affecting to Lyra's world that it's just really interesting to me how they are both have like essentially the same thing going on. And yet the effect is absolutely completely different. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, the one in shit. I keep forgetting the boy's name. Will. Will. Yeah. Will Graham. Um, <laughs> no, his his reminded me of in the Simpsons uh, Halloween special when there's a portal to another universe behind the bookcase. Oh, right. Um, like, and then he just stumbles on it. He's just walking around kind of like looking for a place to hide. He's like, oh, hey, cool. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, yeah, that's basically it. Is we had like the first three chapters is actually a great place to end because it's like a setup for everything. Right. Um. And I think going three at a time will be better than yeah, the way that we did. I think so. There's just too much to remember. Because when I said three at a time, you were kind of like, are you sure you don't want to do it the way we had been? But I was like, I think there's going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's okay if we have slightly shorter episodes. Like, yeah. I think actually that's easier. So. Um, all right. Cool. Well, um, I want to say hi to new patrons real quickly. Um Thank you so much to all of those of you who recently signed up. Um, Obviously, this is the first His Dark Materials we've done in a while, but I'm just going to say hi to the new patrons that signed up um, in the past like four days or so, because otherwise it would be quite a long list. I got a lot of new people. Um, So welcome to Jada Selma, Christina Faulkner, Jubaira Chowdhury, Sam Sprague, Mimi Honeycutt, Paul Leonardo, and I think that's it. Yeah. Um, But thank you so much to all of those of you who are signing up. I don't know. I I haven't mentioned it on this uh, feed because we haven't had an episode since this happened. But I lost my job about three weeks ago now. um, Two weeks ago. And it has... I have decided to go full time with the podcast. So... The Patreon uh, subscription thing has been changed from um, per episode to per month. And that is the new model that I'm doing. So instead of signing up for like a dollar per episode, it's going to be however much per month you want to pledge. And uh, the average seems to be about $5, but I have some people pledging a lot more than that. I have some people pledging just a dollar, which is still awesome. Um, And if you are a patron, you get early access to... All of the podcasts that get posted at least a day, sometimes longer, before they get posted to iTunes. Um, you get bonus stuff that nobody else gets access to. Like, Owen and I just did The Room the other night. We did. Um, and we 
had a little like gathering and ate pizza with everybody before we watched it on tiny chat tiny chat then we were live on the uh the feed for um periscope while we watched it and had people chatting with us and then we went and recorded on tiny chat with our impressions afterwards <laughs> what a story Todd. <laughs> and uh and obviously we did you know star wars and uh avengers we're gonna do the new star wars movie when it comes out and all that stuff's exclusive to patrons and like i said you can sign up for as little or as much as you would like per month and it really adds up so if you can only pledge a buck five bucks i mean that's still incredibly it has a big effect um and you also get access to the exclusive facebook group that only uh patrons and subscribers have access to and there's all kinds of stuff on there too we you know just chat about videos that people post or updates on shows that we already watch um and there's links there to the dropbox folder that has all the bonus episodes in it and i post events and surveys and things like that so yeah becoming a patron is actually it's super helpful to me now that i'm not working and just doing this full time it's in cru- a crucial crucial element for me to be successful and um, I've almost reached my goal for my first goal for the halfway point of what I need per month to be able to really make it on what I'm doing. So please check it out. It's patreon.com backslash unspoiled. And there's all kinds of information on there. Um, there's a video that I actually made a little while ago and I need to update to a newer video. But um, you can see, you know, some of the things that we've been doing. And um, I would just really appreciate it if you would think about checking it out. If you can't support the show financially, please share posts, uh, talk about the show or link it on Reddit or on Twitter, um, or use the Amazon link that's on unspoiledpodcast.com to do your shopping. And if you bookmark that link, every time you shop, I'll get a cut of it, which is really helpful. Um, and yeah, just like there's a lot of different things that you can do to support the show besides becoming a patron. So if you can't do that, then please think about doing some of those, um, And I think that's about it. But thank you so much to everybody who recently signed up because I have very quickly gotten to a point that feels like this is actually possible and it happened so fast. I mean, when I first announced that I had lost my job, I got about 30 patrons within the week after, um, which is crazy bananas. And if you are a patron that has been signed up before November 1st, please, please, please go and check out your pledge and update it. Because if you had only pledged a dollar per episode, but you had a budget of $10 a month, Patreon's not going to fix that for you. It's going to say that you're pledging a dollar per month. So I will wind up making less this coming month than I did last month, despite gaining a bunch of new patrons, because a lot of old patrons haven't updated their pledges and it's, you know, halfway through the month and you still haven't. So please, please do that. Um, I think that is about it for Mm -hmm. everything. So thank you all again so much for listening and we will see you again next week with a new episode. Bye guys. Bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.